Hello. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. To bookends. This is the weirdest in, like, beginning that I think we've done. It's, um, because we're coming off of me, instead of pressing start recording, I accidentally just muting myself, and then we just sat there in silence for 10 seconds while I was like, why isn't Gray talking? And then I realized I had never pressed start recording, and that also I was on mute, so. So there's that. That's well, why. Hey, Marcy, have you heard the news? What news? The Twilight news? No, there's Twilight news? I'm genuinely surprised you have not heard the Twilight news. Stephanie Meyer just re- released, question mark, revealed, I don't know, that Midnight Sun is coming out this year. <gasps> Finally, ma'am. Now, do you what? do you know about this? I, I never read Twilight. I was never involved in Twilight. So I used to be very familiar with this. And so Midnight Sun, if correct me if I'm wrong, is either a gender bend, which I don't think it is, or it's everything from Edward's point of view. What, I, what I've been seeing is um, Edward's point of view, but I'm also seeing that some people are saying it was released, like a few chapters of it were released in like 2008 or something, like they got leaked. Yes, absolutely. I read the leaked chapters, yes. Now, what do you remember from the, do you remember anything from the, from the leaked chapters? I remember so little. Um, what I do, I basically remember exactly one scene and it is, and to be honest, this might be fan fiction now that I'm thinking about it. I'm really, you know, when you're thinking about an old book series, you read fan fiction for and you genuinely, like you can't parcel out what was what. Um, what I'm remembering is him, like the only scene I remember is when he sees Bella for the first time, like outside of the school you know like at the very beginning of twilight and he thinks she's so pretty and different because she doesn't put her head down in the rain because she like doesn't wear makeup and like she's so naturally beautiful there's a lot to unpack in that Um, there is a lot of misogyny to unpack in that however once again not 100 percent sure if that's actually what happens so it really could just be fan fiction. It's really hard to tell at this point. It's been and, 12 hey, years. She, yeah, she could have also changed it a lot. So we don't know what we're getting. Very apparently. true. That might not be in the final version. So that fever dream of a memory, who knows where it will be if it might exists. No relevance at all. You might have made it up. I used to make up what would happen in fan fictions like in my head. When I was like 11 and I would read a fic and it wouldn't be finished, I would just daydream about what would happen next while I waited for them to update. I absolutely, I, it, that was the most like, just like you literally make your own mental fan fiction about the fan fiction you were reading. Why? Why I, did we let ourselves get that deep? I don't know, especially for these books that were not great. Like I was always in, into Maxim Ride fan fiction. I, as much as I loved Percy Jackson and as much self insert as fan fiction as I wrote for Percy Jackson, I wasn't like super duper into reading it necessarily. It was Maxim Ride that really got me. And so it's like, why did I let such a garbage series with now I'm I don't think I ever read a good Maxim Ride fan fiction necessarily because everyone else was also like eleven that I was reading from or whatever. But I really let that sort of get in there in my little brain just forever anyway all of that to say twilight is coming back we also have the hunger games um prequel novel coming out this year so what i'm getting at is it's 2010 again so very weird i do want you to know that while you were talking the reason i wasn't really responding is because you were like i can't remember a single good max ride fan fiction um so i did google diary of a lovesick mutant um and by phoenix fanatic it still exists um, her, she has not changed her profile picture either, and I did not realize how much this weird little creature that is her profile picture was going to bring back a visceral feeling of safety and love. Um. <laughs> <laughs> safety and love. That's true. Oh my god. This is phenomenal. I do you remember, remember you... author's notes? Wow. I do remember author's notes. I went back and there is there is like a, I don't know what it's called, a trend. It's not a, I don't know. Like a thing, mm-hmm. a fun little game thing or whatever going around Twitter for authors being mm-hmm. like, oh, post something from the first manuscript you ever wrote. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, the first official manuscript I wrote is relatively recent. So that's not funny because the point is it's supposed to be like funny. It's like, oh, look how, how stupid my writing was. Ha ha ha. So I tried to go back to unfinished stuff that I wrote on Fiction Press, which do you remember what Fiction Press is? Is that like a self-publishing type platform yeah, it's yeah it's the same it's fan fiction has the same layout and everything but it's for like original work and so i published a few things on there quote published i guess yeah whatever i, I uploaded and um there were just author's notes in the middle of every 
every other sentence, just like bolded parenthes- open parentheses a slash in colon whatever with an emoticon at the end, close parentheses, continue the sentence. So I was also 10. I do remember explicitly for that specific story, someone sent me a message being like, hey, everything you got about this is factually wrong. The art doesn't look like that. Blah, 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 blah. This is incorrect. This is bad writing. And I remember responding to them with, I'm 10 and nothing else. (laughs) That was the best response you could have given them, though. I, that yeah. it shut them down because I knew that whatever they were going to say was literally pointless to say like and it also made them feel bad for being mean because you were literally a child I'm literally 10 years old I was literally what? in fifth grade what was the longest fan fiction you ever wrote give me an estimate um the longest I ever wrote that was okay so the longest I wrote period was 172,000 words um the second longest I ever wrote was 64,000 words which I know what you're thinking. That's a large jump. Why? You may ask. And the answer is, I don't know. Well, I do know. And the answer is, the 64,000 word one was a Maximum Ride fan fiction I wrote in sixth grade with my friend. I explicitly remember writing for it in my English class. And I did not know that you could check your word count on Word documents. So I didn't know at the time that I was writing that much. I was just doing what I was doing. And then I was putting it on fanfiction.net. The second one, the, the, the one that is the most I've ever written, I wrote my sophomore and junior year in high school, the same time I was writing the first draft of the novel that I am currently working on. Obviously not the first draft anymore, but the one that is going to be published in whatever future. So, and that was for, do you want to know what it was for? Please do tell. I did not know you were writing fan fiction that late in life. Oh, I was writing fan fiction until last year. But it was for, it, yes, it was for Haikyuu, which I don't remember if you, you remember Haikyuu. That's that's the volleyball one, right? It's, that's the volleyball anime. The, and, yes, but the here's the anime. thing about the 173,000 word Haikyuu fan fiction. It wasn't really about the Haikyuu of it all. It was an AU based off of my original story that I am actually currently now trying to revamp because I love it. So it wasn't. It was an excuse for me to test run the idea for a series I'd had since eighth grade mm-hmm. in a way that would allow people to give me feedback and stroke my ego and also make me like, like hold me accountable because I had people being like, you're going to update. So I just yeah. got it all out. And I stand by that, that um, method. It made me do it. I did it. I did do I'm it. I'm actually really impressed with that. Yeah, that's so. why it was 173,000 words, because it was going to be two books. Yeah. But it was obviously a fan fiction, so I was like, I'm not going to make it two yeah, fan, it fan fiction. Like, come on. Come on. Yeah, don't, so. don't have a series of fan... Don't be that person. I people I never um, read series fan fictions. I was like, I'm not doing this. This is too much. No. No, 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 no. My favorite fan fiction fan is to scratch an itch. the one-shot collections. <laughs> Absolutely. That's where I thrived. I do want to say Diary of a Lovesick Mutant, um, just because I have it in front of me, is 239,000 words. Did not know it was that long. I never read it. Mm-hmm. I do remember mm-hmm. you talking about it, both when you were originally reading it and later in life when you were reminiscing about reading it. But I never read I it. I remember exactly nothing about it except for that bacon was like an inside joke about it, which is like very 2009 of it. Like the word bacon was funny for some reason. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, just like the concept of bacon. It's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Like the same way that like the name Bob really got a chuckle out of people. Like oh, kid, those were all nine year olds. The same vein of humor. Bob mm-hmm. is peak humor when you and are like nine. mustaches and stuff. Like those were those were all the same brand of humor. So that is true. Um, now that we've reminisced a lot, probably more than we should have, as we do every week. Uh, do we want to introduce the show? Yes, we do. Hi, I'm Gray. And I'm Marcy. I'm a writer. And I'm a reader. And this is. Bookends, a literary podcast. Where we talk about books. 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 Woo. So, for this segment, here's Wait, the thing. Wait, what's our theme? What's going on? Oh, God. Well, crap. Gotta give okay. us the lay of the land. So, Greg. here's the thing. Here's the thing. This week, our theme, this month, our theme is pirates. However, we gotta address the elephant in the room. We made a mistake. <laughs> that we did. We made a mistake. We chose... The book, A Darker Shade of Magic by V.E. Schwab, because a list on Goodreads told me we had a hard time. Okay, we had a hard time finding books with pirates in it that wasn't erotica. Like, it's just difficult. Yeah, 
it so pirates it turns out we pick sometimes we pick a theme to fit a book we want to read and sometimes we just pick a theme and then we find the books later and pirates we just picked the theme because we thought it sounded fun and it was something that neither of us had read a lot of or anything of and then we went out and found books it turns out that the majority of pirate content is either very much erotica or like historical like non-fiction a la world war ii books like not super interesting non-fiction um and there's very little either interesting non-fiction or not erotic fiction so we kind of scrambled to find two books because we have to have one for each of us because we kind of really just found one that we both like oh this sounds good um so we scrambled to find two books and we found darker shade of magic on some goodreads list and kind of picked it without doing too much research into it because i tr- because I, I trusted like, i trusted the goodreads yeah. list titled which we lady know pirates you trusted can't it. trust we know you cannot trust we've discussed before how much you can't trust goodreads lists um but we'd both been wanting to read it and it's like obviously a really successful series and i feel like it's about time that i read it being the fantasy junkie that i am so i was just kind of like went along with it without really thinking too critically um and then so there's no pirates in our pirate book. <laughs> we found we found out via my friend Bean texting me, "Hey, Darker Shade Magic doesn't have pirates until the second book." And after I had already tweeted about it, about how that was our book, and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" So we made so a goof. We've made a we've made a mistake. We've made a goof. We've made a blunder. Mm-hmm. I would argue Darker Shade Magic has the spirit of piratedom though in it. There's a lot of rule breaking. There's a lot of theft. A lot of smuggling. Uh, a lot of dreams of the ocean, you know. Um, ocean dreams, if you will. Ocean dreams. But there are no literal pirates. So all that to say, our theme is pirates. However, my segment has literally nothing to do with pirates because turns out that's hard to do. So this week, we are going to play Two Truths and a Lie, Fantasy Authors Edition. Ooh. What does this mean? Please explain the game. It means that there are... There, I will give you a few. I, I have compiled a few fantasy, famous fantasy authors that you know of. And I have three facts about them. One of them is not a fact. It is a thing I have made up. And so you just have to, you just have to guess. It's, so it's a weird. Literally, like there's, it's just two truths and a lie. It's literally but... two truths and a lie. Yeah. But about authors, specifically fantasy authors, this edition, because this is a fantasy series. So I thought it might be interesting to learn some things about the famous fantasy authors that we all know. And maybe don't love. That's okay. We don't have to love them, but we know them. All right, so. Gray. Hit me with them. Yes. So first one is Tolkien. Classic. I I guess I'll just read them to you and you can yeah. tell me. Yeah. Yes. I just, okay. I'm Tolkien, gonna, I feel like, is, is one that I, I don't actually know anything about him. All I know is that he was friends with C.S. Lewis, who I do know things about. The first fact is actually about C.S. Lewis as well. So number one. Tolkien's wife was reportedly jealous of C.S. Lewis and Tolkien's friendship. Number two, Tolkien was a veteran of World War II. And number three, he didn't like his fans and thought they couldn't appreciate Lord of the Rings. I feel like it's number three. Uh, that's just a gut instinct. Is that what you're going with? Wait, no. Do you want to? Do you want to think wait, no, wait, out loud sorry, like I, I did last? It. Okay. No. Yeah. Okay. So also, I flipped it in my brain about there being one truth, and I was like, I feel like number three is very true. Is the truth. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know why. Like I said, the only thing I know about Tolkien is his friendship with C.S. Lewis. Um, I can't remember exactly what year those books were published and if they would have been published after World War II or before World War II. Because um, I don't feel like you would have had that much time to write during World War II, especially if you were, you know, Well, I guess, I guess think about, um, think about, well, think about if he had been a veteran, if he was a veteran of World War II. That means that the books would have been the published different. in, what, 50? Maybe? I mean... Think about the timeline. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or maybe I'm throwing mm-hmm. you off. No, I'm thinking too hard about it. I'm going to say that his wife was not jealous of their relationship. So that one's the nah. lie. Oh, that one's You're wrong. Though. I'm glad that's real. She was jealous of their relationship. They were very close until they actually had a weird fallout. But that's a whole other thing. Anyway, he was better in World War One. I just flipped it a little bit because this one I was like, it's a warm up. Might as well. So I knew I was like, I know that the book was influenced by war. I just didn't know which one. <laughs> I yeah, could not remember fair. if it was posted pre or post World War Two. So 
Okay. So our next author oh, is... Vulcan. Wait, what happened with Ooh. him and C.S. Lewis? I didn't know they had a falling out. Tell me about that. Just like later in life, I think it had to do with religion or something. I I honestly don't remember because I, I did this a few days ago. I piled these facts together, but one of them was talking about how they just like, they slowly, um, they, drift, they drifted apart. And as Tolkien got later in his life, he was like, kind of regret that. I'm, he was a good friend for a long time. So they weren't always really close. They had a tumultuous relationship. It was very dramatic. You could probably write a book about it. Anyway. A quick Google search says it was over religion. Tolkien was Catholic and C.S. Lewis is not. However, um, that is literally without clicking on any links, just looking at the summaries of things. Yeah. So yeah. Um, that doesn't seem, I don't know if that's, if that's fully That's fully the whole picture. So our next yeah. author is C.S. Lewis. Okay, number one. C.S. stands for Charles Stewart. Number two. As an adult, he went by Jack. Number three, he became an atheist while at boarding school. The first, the name one, right? That's the lie. Yeah, I just made that up. That's not <laughs> what it stands for. His name is what? Clive? It is Clive. How did you know that? I Gosh, why went did you know to, that? I was a religion minor for like a lot of college. Uh, I read a lot of C.S. Lewis's nonfiction. Um, about that. Which is why I know I, I know a lot about him more mm. than... Because, you know, the in his nonfiction, Joe. he talks about his actual life as opposed to, like, Narnia. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> I just like that he has... His his name is, like, Clive Staples, which, first of all, what the heck? The dumbest Clive, name. Clive Staples <laughs> I'm sorry, Lewis. Clive. I see why you publish under CS. <laughs> I get it. But then he also went by Jack in his personal life. So it's like, you have, like, four different first names. What are you doing? I don't know. People do that. I don't... You know he goes by Jack because his parents call him Jack. So why didn't they just give him the name Jack somewhere in there? I don't. It's like when someone's name is John, but they go by Jack. I'm like, okay, that's a whole different name. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Where did that come from? Name. That's not they the just, same. You can just make things up, I guess. J. Like, come on, just make ev- just do it. Just say what you want. Just say words. That's it's so fine. stupid. Uh, I do really have to say I appreciate C.S. Lewis's breadth that he's able to write a quality fantasy series and also really beautiful um non-fiction religious spiritual stuff his nice. prose and those is like phenomenal it's very touching oh <laughs> yeah he was atheist at boarding school he he became atheist clive has become atheist and then after he left and was like a little older he was like mm, i'm gonna go back to christianity now i guess and i think tolkien might have actually had an influence on that i might be wrong so I don't know. I do know that they have characters like based and dedicated to each other in their two series, which is so cute. So cute. So so sweet. So our next author is a little more contemporary and everyone's favorite, Rick Riordan. Oh, we love him. Rick Riordan. So number one, he was a teacher before becoming like a full-time author. Number two, he never saw the Percy Jackson movie. And number three, The Lightning Thief was his first published novel. I'm struggling because they all sound right. This one's tricky. Um, hmm. Hmm. I haven't heard of him writing anything prior to PJO. <laughs> um, so let me think this through. Uh, he has teacher energy. <laughs> I, w- I would agree with that statement. He does have teacher energy. He respects kids and they get him and he gets them. So it makes me feel like he spent a lot of time with middle school slash teenage cohort. Um, so that makes me think maybe he was a teacher before he was a full-time author. Uh, he also writes about, like he writes about, I don't know, the way he writes about teaching situations, like them at camp and their mentors and stuff. I don't know. For some reason, I just mm-hmm. he has such teacher energy to me. Um, like good teacher, not bad teacher. Yeah. Um, Think about Kyron hmm. being like once an English teacher, always an English teacher. I know that he deeply disagreed with the Lightning Thief movie. That is, I love how mild that is compared to what he's actually said. Yeah, he the what he's actually. Yeah, he hated the movie. I mean, I guess maybe he's seen it though to hate it as much as he does, because he definitely hated it when it was in production, like in process, and he was like, "No, this is bad. You guys are messing it up." um i'm but he would have been invited to like the premiere you know like but he probably he hated would have it had, would he have gone i don't know that's the thing and then i'm you know i'm gonna say that i'm gonna say he's seen it against his will basically you would be wrong he never saw the movie oh my he god he did he read the script because they 
I don't, I don't know. I guess they said it. I don't know. How that, well, yeah, they asked work. for his input and then ignored yeah. everything that he said. Yes. And he has what he told them. He has his response to that on his website, which I think is the that funniest thing in the world. That email is so it's funny. so funny. It's so I good. think about it like every other day. But The Lightning Thief was not his first book. He wrote adult books before that. Um, Wait, what? Yeah, he wrote an adult series. And I think the first one came out in 97. I might be wrong. But um, oh, no, he okay. did write that adult makes sense books before. I never heard of them because they're like yeah. old. <laughs> Yeah, they're like adult. Has like tequila in the name or something. Some alcohol in the name. I don't know. Anyway, so I've been thinking about Riordan because of the the Twilight and Hunger Games resurgence. I'm like, okay, we're going to go back to like 2010. Can we please get an animated TV show adaptation of Percy Jackson? I will write the episode script for you, please. Anyway. You know I, I support want. that project. I, I really want, so want you to get in somehow with some, I don't know, Let studio. I don't know how that works at all. I, I want that series. I want it so I bad. Want it. It and I want so it good. animated so bad. I don't want real people. It doesn't need real people. It needs to be animated. That's the energy it gives. It needs to be beautiful I animation. Agree with that. Anyway, so our last writer is Stephen King. I did have, before I, I tell you the facts about him, I, I will say that I, I struggled a lot with which writers to put on this list because as you will notice they are all white men and you know that is unfortunately sort of they are the famous ones and i i was there are actually like fantasy authors obviously that we have read that are not white men but i wasn't yeah, sure rarely you, yeah you you rarely read, read by white men but i wasn't sure who you had written and the more recent authors were harder to find information on like i tried to do some with actually ve schwab because i was like oh we read her stuff but it was hard to find any facts that were like that weren't just like she was born well blah, yeah blah, blah. you know what I and mean? these people who have written these like world changing franchises right like have more mystery and lore about them so like it may like and they've been like around sense. for a little longer yeah rick riordan i think is the like kind of outlier not in the sense that he's not like hasn't changed my life and isn't i don't love him but like c.s lewis tolkien and king all have this mythos about them that's um, a good word for it i haven't yeah. heard that since high school english and I, i'm gonna start <laughs> using that a lot again we're you gonna should. resurge the resurge. use of mythos, mythos. That's excellent and I was going to do some with N.K. Jemisin. I don't know if you've read N.K. Jemisin, though. I don't, I don't think I have. Yeah. Well, I read her recently. She's phenomenal. We should read her. But So I figured you hadn't read hers, so I didn't want to give you facts about her. And then you'd just be like, I literally don't know who that is. So anyway, here are King's two truths and a lie. One, he wrote a musical one time. Two, he listens exclusively to the Beatles. And three, he holds the record for most film adaptations by a single author. I feel like three is correct because, I don't know, it just makes sense. <laughs> yeah, just considering how many books he's written. How many, just the stats how on many, how many books he's written, yeah. exactly. It makes sense. And his books make great movies. Um, people love them. So I think number three is correct. I think his books have the most film adaptations. Number one was that he made a musical, right? He wrote a and musical one time. He wrote a musical. And what was two? a little different. Uh, he listens exclusively to the Beatles. I'm going to say that one is a lie. I think he probably is weird and listens exclusively to something, but I don't think it's the Beatles. You are correct. It is the lie. However, I just completely made it up. There's no... Oh, really? No, I, don't, I have no clue what he listens to in his free time. I just thought it would he, be funny. He just seems like he has some kind of quirk like that. Where he's like, just like, oh, only listens to one thing. I only listen no. I only listen to this one band, and it's like some band of white guys, and they, for some reason, <laughs> like, have made this the superior music for all Yeah. Music. And that's not to say I don't love the Beatles, because I do, but... No, it's okay. Um, you can't. This only is a Beatles critical. This is a Beatles critical podcast. It's all right. <laughs> I I thank them for all they've done for music, and I really do like them. But you shouldn't only listen to the Beatles. Yes. Um. No, I just. It reminds me of. Do you know how much Stephanie Meyer loves the band Muse? Mm, I actually didn't know that. She, I, this woman has like dedicated every book to them. I swear, at the beginning of every <laughs> book, is always like, "Thank you to my beautiful children," and also Muse. And also. <laughs> Muse, I love, and they're that. like in every soundtrack, like all the movie soundtracks. Oh, which are so that makes good. sense. Movie soundtracks are the, so hey, good. Hey, real talk, the soundtracks slap. Decode by Paramore, they slaps. stand up. They do. Like they, I they watched, hold up to today's standards. They're so good. They, I, I watched the movies last year because I was incredibly, incredibly late to the train because I wanted to be. My friends were finally like, "No, we're watching this together, and it's gonna be funny." And we did, and completely unironically, I was like, "Hey." 
whoever is in charge of this music, I hey, hey, you did a good job. If there's one thing they knew how to do, it was music. There's mm, one thing. So good. Anyway, yeah, so I really pegged Stephen King as a guy who would listen to only one band. That seemed really correct to me, and I'm a little disappointed that that was totally made up. That was a good made-up fact, though. Thank you. I kind of wish um, it was also correct because I think it would be funny, but no. Hey, do you hey do you remember the author I was telling you about one time who had there was a author profile like interview whatever about her that came out and it revealed that she like exclusively eats chocolate and she what? like writes on a type she oh my god what is her name she's like a romance author I have no <sighs> idea who you're talking about hold on let me Google it because it's so important to me everything about that article it just gets more and more buck wild as you keep going let me Google it hold on so. It is, so I'm not crazy. It is Danielle Steele. She has written 179 books. Yes, I am familiar with her work. Not that I've read her work, but I'm familiar with her work being suggested to me for some reason. She, like, I, I just want to send you this article. Just everything about it is insane. She literally writes on this, on this handcrafted desk in, San, in her office in San Francisco that is designed to look like her three best-selling, like, books. So the desk is just like a blue book and then a red one and then a uh, like beige one with her name and the title of the book on the side. And that is what and it's like huge. She writes on that. She writes like exclusively on this typewriter that like isn't even made anymore. So she has to like keep like it specifically and then buy new parts for it or something. And she eats like almost exclusively chocolate. It's really weird. And she works like 22 hours out of 24 hours in a day. I I love her i'm sending you this article this exact don't i've never read anything by her can't tell you anything she's read she's or written she's written over 100 books so that makes sense i love her she has written close to to like her she i want to have that kind of energy dedication and self-confidence in my life that is phenomenal it's literally insane the last quote in this article is when i first started out i had the same agent as agatha christie i was about 19 years old and she was in her 90s i met her once and i remember she said i want to die face first in my typewriter and i feel that way i mean i want to go on forever just writing it's correction insane. she spends most of her time in paris mm, yes yes she does she buys like a bajillion shoes but she doesn't actually wear them she just has them please let me read you a little bit from this article from glamour this is i i'm not kidding i'm in love with this woman okay (laughs) Steele writes in her home office most of the time that's in paris but sometimes she's at her home in san francisco where she writes on her 1946 olympia standard typewriter which she nicknamed ollie Steele's a creature of habit she gets to her office by 8 30 a.m where she can often be found in her cashmere nightgown cashmere ma'am are you wearing a knit nightgown just for the fun of it if you're I gonna write it. 22 out of 24 hours of the day you should she'll do nibble on miniature bittersweet chocolate bars dead or alive rain or shine i get to my desk and i do my work sometimes i'll finish a book in the morning and by the end of the day i've started another project Steele says holy mackerel this article came out last year, in May of last year, and I remember people on Twitter being like, hey, what is going on when it came out? Oh and I read oh, this article while I was at work. Yes. Oh, she's so from France. Okay. I just, I think about it every now and then. Every time I see her name, like when I'm in a bookstore or whatever, I'm like, ah, the woman who writes on a desk shaped like her own books. It's really good. The, I just, I love it. I love it. It's so kitschy. It's phenomenal. It's... I love you, Daniel, Danielle Steele. You are my <laughs> idol. It's insane. <laughs> May we all have the cashmere nightgown that we write in when we're writing twenty-two out of twenty-four hours of the day. I this is sorry. This has gone down a weird path where now I'm just looking up facts about her and I'm obsessed. It's insane. Wow, I'm so impressed with her. Anyway, um, moving on. We read a book this week. (laughs) We did read a book this week. Do you want to talk about it? Since it's your technically your pick, even though I technically my pick. You know, helped. So this week we read a. It's not a. It's just called Darker Shade of Magic. No, it is. It's a darker it shade. It is of magic. a darker shade. Come it on. It is a darker shade. I'm so sorry. Cool. It's mislabeled on Amazon. That's where I had it on, so I could read the description. Um, it's a darker shade of magic by V. E. Schwab. Um, it this was published in what 2015. Um, Correct. And there's three books in the series, and then she's written some other things that I'm not sure if they're related or not. They have similar covers, but they're obviously not exactly the same. Um, you've 
if you're in the book sphere at all, you've probably heard of these books. They're a resounding hit and success in the fantasy world. Um, and we read it thinking it has something to do with pirates. Turns out, as we said, that's in the second book. The first book, sadly, does not really have anything to do with pirates. But uh, let me tell you about it. Kel is one of the last Antari, magicians with the rare, coveted ability to travel between parallel Londons. Red, gray, white, and once upon a time, black. Kel was raised in Arnais, Red London, and officially serves the Maresh Empire as an ambassador, traveling between the frequent bloody regime changes in White London and the court of George III in the dullest of Londons, the one without any magic left to see. Unofficially, Kel is a smuggler, servicing people willing to pay for even the smallest glimpses of a world they'll never see. It's a defiant hobby with dangerous consequences, which Kel is now seeing firsthand. After an exchange goes awry, Kel escapes to Grey London and runs into Lila Bard, a cut purse with lofty aspirations. She first robs him, then saves him from a deadly enemy, and then finally forces Kel to spirit her to another world for a proper adventure. Now perilous magic is afoot and treachery lurks at every turn. To save all of the worlds, they'll first need to stay alive. A Darker Shade of Magic by V.E. Schwab So, Show. I feel like that summary covers the first 15% of the book. <laughs> yeah. Like that's a lot of exposition. Mm-hmm. That's it. Let me tell you about it more because you've probably heard that and we're like, great, that's vague and doesn't really tell me anything. Um, this book is takes place in a parallel universe, I guess, to ours, but like a few hundred years back uh, during, what? which king was it? I don't know. They're all the same. Uh, <laughs> they're not. I understand they're not um george the third during during george the third's reign in england um but in this universe there are all these parallel worlds like lined up next to each other and the one that we are from like real life is the gray london where there's no magic and then kel is from red london where there is magic and there's white london and black um and he is one of the few people that can move between the worlds and so during one of these moves between the worlds um he basically comes into possession vis-a-vis some mischief uh with a very dangerous object think lord of the rings the ring type dangerous object where like there's like a lot of power and stuff involved and then he meets this girl lila and she steals it from him and uh she gets all wrapped up into this crazy scheme in which one of these parallel worlds you know there's there's some there's some stuff going on. There's kings trying to overthrow other kings and there's pawns and there's secret identities and all kinds of, mm -hmm, all kinds of goodness. So it is a lot more than what that little description kind of hints at basically. I feel like that's true of a lot of the books you read. We're always like, that doesn't do it justice. (laughs) I know it's interesting what these, um, what the writers of these synopses decide to go with. I know they probably have like a lot of data on what kind of synopses sell well, like what is going to get a book from a description to you take it home. Um, But it's always funny to go back and read them after you've read it and be like, well, but that doesn't really say what happens at all. Like, how did I get interested in it based on that now that I've read the whole thing, you know? You know? Yeah. So this is... Oh, yeah, I was was going to... Okay. So this is very much a, like, firmly a fantasy novel. Um, It's really classically fantasy if you ask me like it kind of hits all those um check boxes um and honestly i feel like this whole book is very like lord of the rings meets narnia does that make sense like there's not like Mm. orcs and stuff but like there's this whole thing with like an object of power that can corrupt people that like they're fighting over that's just very lord of the rings to me um but then it also happens in england and it's got very english things about it and I don't know. I it the thing about this book is that it felt like there were just a lot of very familiar fantasy elements, almost to the point where it, like it could have felt stale, but it didn't. Yeah, I think that's fair. I I don't know that I would describe it outside of outside of the obvious like there's a big powerful thing and British. I don't know if I would describe it as Narnia and Lord of the Rings because it felt I don't know. I don't know. There's like it just felt fresh. like it took a lot of very it did. It definitely felt more fresh than that. Like, that's way oversimplifying it. But, like, you get the parallel worlds, like, from Narnia, and then also yeah. the British, and you got the thing from Lord of the Rings. But then also there's this magic that felt um, 
honestly, it reminded me a little of like Full Metal Alchemist, like alchemy mm. being kind of this equivalent exchange idea of like magic wasn't isn't created from nowhere. It comes from something and there's proportions to it and like a lot of rules to it. Um, felt a little bit like that versus like Harry Potter magic where it's not like the power has limitations. Does that make right. sense? Yeah, um, where it's just like do what so, you want, which I will say I yeah. don't like. I like the rules. Mm-hmm. So I agree. I like the rules. I think what I'm just trying to say is that I was impressed by her ability to take these elements that, like I said, are so familiar and fantasy readers are so familiar with and kind of rules of a world like this that we've all seen before. And it's like, if you say any one of those things, it doesn't sound like an original idea, but the book felt fresh and original. Like it's greater than the sum of its parts is I think, I think that's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, I think that's fair. All that. Being All that to be said. Oh, <laughs> same thought. Do you want to? Do you want to start with ratings? That's where I was gonna go. I was gonna say for enjoyability, I gave it a four. I liked it. I found it to be enjoyable. I don't really have a lot of complaints about it. Um, I thought that it the and I'll get into it with balance. I thought the pacing was like a little weird, which is where I didn't give it like a four point five or a five, even though I really enjoyed it. Um, so I just kind of left it out of four. Like I felt that it was an above average book that I really liked, and I'm gonna pick up the sequel. Um, like I said, it felt like fresh and new, despite also feeling very familiar. Like I was still surprised by things in it, even though I felt like I really picked up on like the world mechanics really quickly. Um, and I also really did like the protagonists kel and lila so all that kind of adds up to a four for me how do you feel here's where we differ i gave it a 2.75 because snorkels here's the thing and and i i feel like enjoyability is the most subjective of our ratings obviously any rating is subjective but i feel like enjoyability is the one where i can take i can take away when it comes to like pet peeves and things that are really personal to me and don't have like like, there's nothing, it's just stuff I don't like. You know what I mean? So, I hate girl dresses up as a boy trope. I hate it. I hate everything about it. I've never, I don't like it. I find it overdone. I find it annoying. I don't mm-hmm. think it adds anything. I don't think it's the language used around it is productive to narratives about trans people. I don't think it's interesting. I hate it. Lila falls into that. And it's weird also because it's not like a plot point. It's just a thing. And so that was even more annoying to me that it was like, you could have just taken it out. You know what I mean? And I hate sexual assault as a plot point. And she was almost sexually assaulted like every other chapter. And I could not stand that. And these are really personal things and really like small things in terms of like the grand scheme of the book. Because in terms of the actual plot, I did like the plot. I thought that like I should have really enjoyed this book and that I loved the idea of multiple Londons and like moving between them and like a code with multiple sides, like four sides or whatever. Like I really liked that. And eventually I did start to like actually enjoy it. But until more than halfway through, I didn't like it. And I have opposite opinions in that I thought I thought Lila's was super annoying and that both of them were just like one personality trait and that was it. And Lila's personality trait was I'm not like other girls, which I didn't really love. Um, we eventually actually get stuff from her. But like I said, that wasn't until really later on. And so I just, I didn't, like, every other male character that came into contact with her would try to assault her. And I I could not handle that. Like, Cal is like the only guy that she interacts with that doesn't try to get a sexual favor from her which on one hand you can make the argument and this is why this is again a personal thing because like some people don't have issues with this on one hand you can make the argument it's like old timey-esque world like obviously it's a fake world and a fake london but it's like victorian-ish london and like obviously stuff like that happening is really true is like was really true and is sometimes still really true to people's experiences but i don't like reading about them and i find it kind of like lazy because I'm trying to figure out how much is a spoiler. <laughs> so I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out what I what I should leave out. But there is a part near the beginning. This it's it's pretty early on, so I don't know if it's really a spoiler where a man tries to assault her and she kills him in self-defense. And I thought that was going to be a bigger thing. I thought like, oh, the the assault was important because it led to her killing him, which is going to lead to other consequences. But there weren't consequences for it. And we find out later that that is not the first time that she has killed someone. So it's not a moment for her of anything substantial 
towards her character development or her plot all it does is mean that she doesn't have anywhere to stay that night and so she has to go to this um like tavern hotel place but there were other ways to achieve that i felt than making me read about assault i i hate i couldn't get past that and i i don't know i just i really hated it hated that part about it because i did like the other stuff and you'll see in my other ratings that there were things about it i liked but like the main impression i got from the book was these small plot points that you could have taken out and had the same book, but really, really bothered me. So I don't know. It's just so interesting because I will admit I did have, now you're going to talk me down out of my four rating. Um, I did have issues with the, like I, with the, I'm not like the other girls narrative. Um, that's always like kind of a hard line to walk between like letting girls who aren't feminine be proud of the way that they are and not putting down other girls um, who are feminine. And that did get on my nerves, I feel like, at some points, because her whole thing is that she, like, dresses up as a man in order to pickpocket, which I think is a legitimate, given her circumstances of it yeah, being, like, I guess... the 1700s, right. a legitimate way for her of protection, because clearly, in the world she lives in, if she shows that she's a woman by herself, unsupervised, men are going to take advantage of her. Right. Um, I guess I guess my only which issue is accurate then was to that, the times. yeah was that there would be scenes where when people found out that she was a woman, it was always because they'd touched her chest somehow. And the rhetoric around like, I know it's like realistic, but I I have issues as a trans person with reading books where a character's body is discovered and then that becomes a moment of gendering them differently and like being violent towards them towards it because of it. I mean, so like, like I said, this is- Yeah, that's a valid viewpoint. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but you keep going. I interrupt you. No, you're fine. Um, so I don't know if it like took away enjoyment from me for her to do that just because I was like, oh, I guess this makes sense why she'd be like that. I will say it did kind of bother me when she'd like put down like, oh, the other little girls are all like tittering over a guy. And it's like, well, yeah, because it's the 18, yeah, it's the 1800s and their only ability to improve their life is to get married. So like, yeah, it makes sense. Right. They're going to be all like mm, over a guy. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right. Like, I, I guess I would have felt better about because like her not wanting to be feminine is obviously not a negative trait right like her wanting to like feeling more comfortable wearing a um like masculine clothes because there's a scene where she's not dressing up like a man to be seen as a man she's dressing up for herself and she still chooses to wear clothes that at the time were considered men's clothes right so like there's nothing wrong with that it was just that her only personality trait seemed to be i'm feisty i'm not like other girls I'm not feminine and I wanted more layers from her and I wanted her to have a personality other than that. And we kind of got it a little bit more near the end, but like I said, that was near the end. Like I wanted it from the beginning for me to really enjoy her as a character. And because I am so character driven and because I don't like, like you read fantasy all the time. I don't read fantasy a lot. And so for me to really feel as invested as I wanted to in the series, I wanted her and Kel, too, honestly. I didn't find Kel that impelling. Com- impelling? Sure. I didn't find Kel as compelling as I wish I had. I didn't have any, like, concrete issues with him. I just found him a little boring <laughs> um, until more than halfway through the book when I actually started to like him. So I wanted those characteristics from them at the beginning of the book, and we didn't get them. And so that was frustrating to my enjoyability because I know if I hadn't been reading this for the podcast, I would have stopped reading it completely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I didn't want to have to wait to like them. Yeah. I think that comes down to, like, the difference in what, how, like, what we prioritize. Because I am such a plot-driven reader that I will sacrifice some of the character stuff because I'm just interested in the plot. I will also say, I agree that they're a little bit uh, flat in this book. But I think what ends up happening for me when I read a book like this, where I know it's, like, the first of a series, is I reserve... I don't I didn't really realize I was doing this until you started talking. I really reserve judgment about whether I like or dislike a character until like book two because mm. I find that in series like this, book one is basically exposition anyway. And so you don't really even know who anyone is until like halfway yeah. through book two. I guess that's and true. I think and that's I, what I did without realizing yeah. that's what I was doing. So And I think I think that's also fair though. Like I don't read series as my primary like mode of reading. So this, yeah, I, I think it's, it is interesting. We're very different readers and different 
have different things that we like, even though we have a lot of overlap. But yeah, I guess I guess because I'm coming at it more of a I write standalone and I mostly read standalone. So I'm thinking this as a standalone novel does not give me the characters that I would want. But it's also weird though because Rye I did like and he had significantly less screen time. Screen time, I guess, page time. And so I'm and and I liked him early on. Like I did yeah, he like was, Kel and Lila by the end, but it He took, was written to love so that you can understand yeah. why Kel loved him so much. Yeah. Yeah. And and all of this also, I wanna say, I really liked the plot. Like I I do think it was interesting and like I said, the concept is really cool. But because I am so much more invested in characters and I'm not willing to sacrifice that, it was it took away that from me. So I spent a long time telling you my rating for enjoyability. Oh, that's fair. Well, we don't usually differ so much on rating, so yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, what did you give it for balance? Um, I gave it a three. I'm kind of back and forth on this because I it took a while to get to the actual, like, ooh, you know what I mean? Like the, the plot plot. Um, but I don't know if I don't like that or not because the exposition was was important and it did serve a purpose it just also went on for a really long time um but i'm not gonna i also don't want to take away from my my issues with the characters and stuff from balance since i already took it away from enjoyability so i think i'm just gonna give it a middle of the road three i gave it a 2.5 similar reasons the exposition of this book is long um and i think you're right like the stuff that happens in the exposition needs to happen um i just wish it had been paced up honestly like i think the book just could have been shorter yeah and i think it was a little bit more than we needed at some points um and it just dragged as interested as i was in the concept and that's why i kept like reading right is even though it was dragging i was still interested in it so it's not that it was like boring but i just it wasn't balanced i was not equally invested the whole time and i felt that it just took a little bit too long to really get rolling and like i said i do recognize that it is part of a series and book one of a series is you know just one of three parts like it's when you look at a bigger arc it's going to fit in differently um but that being said, I still have to judge it as a book on its own. And as a book on its own, it didn't feel like it, if I like subdivided it, the different divisions would not feel equal. Yeah. Um, but I still really enjoyed it. I was still invested. So I gave it a 2.5, which is like shy of average. I didn't like dock it down to like one or something stupid, but it was a little flat. I don't think we've ever given anything a one. I don't think so either. I don't think we've ever given anything below a two. Mm, i think yeah think? yeah i, I feel like we've given twos but yeah 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 that's fair so for expectations i'm giving it a four um with the caveat that i've actually and i think you have too i've tried to read this book before um and i'm not gonna lie it was kind of a when i'd read it before i'd kind of read it just because it was popular and it felt like i was supposed to be reading it because it's sort of up my alley and i think i read it partially on an airplane and then never picked it up again, um, which meant that I was expecting it to kind of bore me because I hadn't felt the urge to finish it the first time. But I think that is a victim of what we talked about with balance of the slow exposition. Um, So I actually ended up giving it a four because I expected it to continue to be weird and slow, and then it wasn't. And I was pleasantly surprised and happy with that. And also because the description, like we said, really leaves out a lot and you don't really get to appreciate how like how much depth there is to this plot um and so in that way it also exceeds expectations so before um i gave it a three middle of the road i also have read about half of this before i read half of it in one sitting and then took a break to go do something else and never picked it up again probably for the same reasons you were talking about you know it just slow beginning Um, And so I kind of and I kind of could already tell that I wasn't going to because at that point I knew already that I didn't love Lila and Kel. And since they're the main characters, I knew that was going to pretty heavily influence my opinion of the rest of the book. But I also wasn't I I expected to not like any of it. And I did like some of it. So I think that's why I'm middle of the road for expectations, because it's kind of what I what I anticipated, but like a little bit better. I just I keep repeating it. I did like the what happens. Like if the you just look at what happens, I liked what happens. Um, and I honestly might read the second one. I'm not sure yet. Like I'm not gonna buy it. I'm not gonna pay for it. But if it is at the library and I could get my hands on it, I might listen to the audio audiobook while play sims. You know what I mean? Because I hear it gets better yeah. as the series goes on. 
I don't know. That's fair. Hello, I am so sorry, Gray and I had to take a small recording break because my cat curled himself up into my boyfriend's lap and he was trying to get work done and he needed me to come gently scoop the cat and move him without disturbing him um, so that the cat could go lay in his proper place and continue to nap. I wish I had a cat. I know. Oh, to have that problem. I would kill to have that problem. (laughs) It's a good problem to have. I'm a little pissed though because every time I leave the room for like an extended amount of time, my cat will go sit in my boyfriend's lap and just curl up there and just he loves it. And then he's literally never sat in my lap before. Like, just like that. Like, I don't know why. It's like, I'm the one who feeds you. I'm the one who loves you. I'm the one who would let you lay there forever and you refuse. Why? That's pretty insulting. He's done that to me before. What's wrong with me? He will do it to literally anyone but me. And it pisses me off so much. (laughs) (sighs) I play hard to get. Anyway, moving on to writing style. Um, I gave writing style a 4.5. I thought that Schwab's writing style was like, I kind of don't really have any critique of it. It was really quite impeccable. Um, I think she writes at like a very high level. Like, I don't really have any issues with it. She's just a good writer. And that's how I feel. I like it. It felt like a good balance between like, being a little bit formal because you're writing what like old timey without doing that thing I hate where you use like stupid old timey words <laughs> that I've complained you hate about before. Stupid old timey words. I hate. I it's fine. Be anachronistic about it and use words that didn't exist in the 1700s. That's great. Just write with a little bit of formality. I thought she hit the nail on the head where like the writing really felt appropriate to like time and place. Um, I just I don't really have any critiques. I just was like this is good. I don't have a lot of specific things to say um this is a place where i have a hard time discussing because i am not a writer and i don't i should probably get better about thinking about what it is that i like about writing um considering we're moving into 20 we're close to 20 episodes now (laughs) but i liked it (laughs) (laughs) well i gave it a four i also liked it um schwab does the thing that is not unique to her but i do enjoy which is kind of treating points of view more like if it were a movie than if it were a traditional book like it's third person but we get in the heads of multiple characters including like random background characters that are just there for like a few pages and they have an encounter with the villain or something like that and then you go back to the main character's points of view so it's primarily kel and lila but we also get those other moments um and i've, I've always enjoyed that i think it's an interesting technique and yeah i want to well. I want to add to that. I forgot to mention it because I didn't take great notes for this episode. Um, But I loved the character switches in this book. I thought they were so well done. That's, I think, one of my favorite things about her writing. Um, They all felt very much like, you know, the first time, I don't know if you remember this, you might have been too young. On the first time you read Goblet of Fire, I think it's Goblet of Fire, at the very beginning when they go to the manor, and there's the groundskeeper yes. that they murder. Yeah. All of her like secondary character POVs have that feeling of like mystery where you're like, I know something important is happening and I know what's going on. And the dramatic irony of the characters not knowing what's going on is very intense right now. And I know there's a bigger plot, but I don't know what that is, but you know that you're getting a look into it. And it's just like delicious, you know, like it's just, mm, you can just bite into it. It's, it's wonderful. yummy. It's tasty. Mm. Please never make those sounds again. But I love her choice in point of views and like which background characters and sometimes you literally never even meet them. Like which people she chooses to show. Like I thought it was so well done. Like because she adds just enough flavor to like progress the plot and amp up the like intensity without really giving away very much. And it's just Just like, like, yes, like a sprinkle of some spice on there. I don't cook. You know what I mean. Just like a little garnish. Mm. Anyway. Moving on to <laughs> Marcy said, memorability. I I'm not going to mention that. <laughs> just going to let that go. Just going to let go. Unless you have more to add about writing style. No. Garnish, no. period. Okay. We like the garnishes. Uh, moving on to memorability. I gave it a 3.5. Uh, 3 being average. I think I'm going to pick up the next book and probably the next book. And I'm probably going to remember the series as like, a good series that I like and I'm probably gonna remember I'm gonna remember the concept of like the multiple like universes and stuff because I think that is interesting also the cover art is fabulous and I don't know why but I think that that's gonna play into my memorability 
um, because I have a really strong visual to associate with all of this. Um, I don't think it's going to be like, it's not one of my favorite books I've ever read. Like, I'm not going to like sing its praises from the heavens. This is not going to be like the book I recommend when someone asks me for book recommendation. Um, But I think I'm going to like it and remember it fairly well. 3.5 feels correct. Um, I gave it a three. Um, I think I've got to remember it. I also did technically read half of it twice. So I think that helps. But uh, I'm probably not going to remember much. So, uh, although I don't know, maybe if I read the second book, I'll probably I will remember more because that's just how things work. But as of the current moment, I'm assuming a three. Maybe it'll change. Who knows? Moving on to believability, a category that is notoriously difficult to rate for us, um, but I think has a little bit more fuel for the fire because we are working with a fantasy novel that could potentially lead many places to not believe. Um, I gave believability a three average um my note on this is that i believed the world more than i believed the characters uh, which i think you'll probably agree with because you that's took issues with yeah the that's a good way to put it i really believed the world i believed the mechanics i believed the rules i believed like the how we got from point a to point b always made sense i didn't feel like there was anything missing or we like skipped over anything um but as we've mentioned I think Lila especially is a little bit one-sided. I still really liked the characters for some reason. Like, I don't know why. They felt endearing to me. I liked Kel a lot. I know you thought he was boring, but I, for some reason, enjoyed him. I don't know. Maybe it's because he's got a big brother thing going on, and I'm all about yeah. whenever there's a big sibling. I did I'm like that like, part about me. him. Once we got mm-hmm. to that, I liked that. I just didn't yeah, like it. Yeah, so I do like him, but I just felt that a lot of the characters fell flat. Um and felt a little bit too one-sided to feel real all the way so for that reason i'm giving it just like an average three like just middle of the road i think that's fair i think that's also why i'm giving it a three because like you said i believed the world i believed the rules of magic mechanics i believed the facts of the world and the things that were happening and the consequences for what they were like what was going on don't fully believe in the characters as fully fleshed humans uh like we said again maybe that'll change when i read more books but yeah so just middle of the red for that one not a lot of issues not a lot of praises just average so that brings my overall average ratings to a 3.58 which i did round up to four on goodreads slash amazon um so that feels right like it's an above average book it's a great it's a good fantasy like I'm going to pick up the next book. And I think if someone was like, oh, should I read that? I'd be like, yeah, if you like fantasy, you should read it and you'll probably enjoy it. Um, 3.58. Feel good about it? How, how are you? How are you? Where are you at? I'm at 3.125, which also feels correct to me. A little bit lower than yours, but not like significantly, you know. So that brings our cumulative to a 3.35, which like when I look at some of the other stuff we've rated feels pretty pretty all right like it seems correct so so there's wow that. we did it we, we did it we read a darker shade of magic and you know what? i'll probably update you next week about how the second book goes potentially yeah. also the third we'll see how productive i am <laughs> yeah i mean i've heard a lot of good things about the rest of the series so like you maybe like you said this is just the the primer for the rest of it and it gets better and apparently there are pirates in the next one so let me know if that is true so gravy what are we reading next week to continue on our pirate theme? And does it actually contain pirates? So next week, I don't know why I said week like that. Next week, we are reading a book that actually has to do with pirates. It's called All the Stars and Teeth by Adeline Grace. It is a recent release, um, February of this year. So new. Uh, it is actually shelved as adventures, little little thing to imply that it goes somewhere else. Pirates. So I know for certain there are pirates. I think there are also mermaids in it. And the cover is pretty. So I'm pretty excited about it. What are pirates without mermaids? I know, right? Come on. You got pirates without mermaids. What are you doing? Well, I'm excited to read it. That sounds fun. Sounds flirty. Sounds exciting. Is it YA, did you say? Um, I did not say, but it is YA because come on now. Oh, also, A Darker Shade of Magic was not YA. We did not mention that. Oh, yeah, we did it. It's just straight up fantasy. Yes. Just normal. Which is not usual for us, but... Yeah. Yeah, that puts it even farther out of your wheelhouse. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, maybe I was coming at it with some young adult lenses. I don't know. I'll have to examine that internally. 
later on. That's fine. You can examine your own lenses on your own time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, I am excited to read. What was I calling you? All the stars and teeth. All the stars and teeth. And you said it's a new release, which is very exciting. I like doing new releases. We should do them more. It's fun. It's fun and fresh. So fun and fresh and flirty join me next week when i either update you on how this series goes or think of some original idea for a segment and then we talk about all the stars and teeth so yeah sounds exciting exciting love it boom pick up a darker shade of magic by v schwab if you haven't haven't already if you like fantasy you'll like the book i feel pretty confident saying that so yeah Yeah. and hey (sighs) thanks for listening period no period oh (laughs) (laughs) anyway stay safe stay inside Stay strong. Get the new Twilight book if you want to. When does it come out? I don't know. I do know it's $28, though. It's $28. It is. She has enough money. (laughs) It's apparently being marketed towards adults with money as opposed to young adults who don't have money. What? But it's, I don't know. I don't know. But it's like $28. So buy, buy, spend $28 on the new Twilight book, but from your indie, your local indie bookstore and not Amazon. I was about to say, but buy it, buy it from a small bookstore and Give your $28 feel better about your $28. Bookstore. Yeah. So that's how you just buy. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. We'll see you next week. Bye.